Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Dan Nigren, CIO at Maine Health. In part two, Nigren talks about why he believes the industry has reached a turning point with digital health and what needs to happen going forward. The enormous opportunity CIOs have to establish a new standard of service and how his team is leveraging education to improve user satisfaction. At CrowdStrike, we stop breaches. And it all starts with a tiny endpoint software sensor that works on Windows, Linux, Mac, and mobile, deploying fast with no reboots and no blue screens. We protect nearly 200 healthcare organizations, with more joining us every day. Find out more about the power of the crowd at crowdstrike.com backslash healthcare. It's really interesting. I mean, it touched on a lot of interesting things there. First, talking about phone visits and how uh, telehealth and virtual is just not an option for a lot of the population. So it's really important to be able to, to offer that. And it seems like it's been received really well. Yeah, completely. And of course, we will have to see what happens with payment and how that's all going to play out post-emergency measures that were put in place. We'll also have to see what occurs with regard to um, the regulatory landscape in terms of what technologies are going to be acceptable to be used. So we're going to you know, be actively looking at all of these things and being nimble and pivoting when uh, and if we need to as these rules change. We're, again, as many places are likely doing, actively uh, participating in the lobbying world, Mm -hmm. trying to appeal to our administrative um, folks in the government to ensure that these kinds of things don't go away post-pandemic. I do think that the phrase that I've used a lot and I've heard others using is the genie's out of the bottle with this stuff. I think people... Uh, Mm -hmm. have really realized that these technologies can be useful. It's not for everything. You're not going to have brain surgery tomorrow over your computer, obviously. But for many areas, um, having a virtual interaction is really, it's a positive experience. You get done what you need to get done. And that's from both perspectives, I think. Patients that were a little bit reluctant have now uh, sort of seen the light, if you will. And uh, many of those uh, folks are now sort of converts. And our clinicians as well. I know both at my Boston Children's time as well as uh, now at Maine Health, there were some of the most fierce opponents to this kinds of, uh, mm. of things saying, no, my patients, the disorders that I follow, there's no way that that could lend itself to a, a virtual visit. And yet when we were pressed into it and we had no choice, people suddenly realized that, you know what? Yeah, I can't do everything perhaps, but I can do a lot of important things in a virtual way to care for my patients. And so those folks have also come to to see the light, if you will. So I do think that there's really no going back to our pre-pandemic state. And it's really just a matter of where we steady out, you know, what's the right balance between in-person and virtual, what things are are most readily and helpfully uh, serviced in a virtual way, and what ones do still require that in-person visit. So I think we'll all work together to find out what that balance is, and um, hopefully we'll all achieve it in short order. Yeah, and I think that you bring a unique perspective, you know, being a physician, and I can imagine what it's been like for you to experience what's happened this past year, year and a half, as far as, you know, digital and, and the role it has now with, with patients being engaged in their care, but then also you know, how, it's, how it's affected clinicians and the way they practice. I, I would think that it's been a, really an interesting thing for you to be part of. 
Yeah, I will say that, that my background as a physician and, and practicing through this, you know, has been an eye-opening experience, you know, just as it was for all of my colleagues. You know, I never thought that I would be conducting a visit with a patient and uh, his mother, for example, as they were driving in the car. But it worked. The patient, mom was driving, the patient had his iPhone up and, you know, he was talking, mom was talking in the background and, you know, we got done what we needed to do. Granted, I knew the patient for a long time. Uh, it was a chronic disorder. We see each other every three months. So it, it worked because of that reason. But, you know, from their perspective, they were on their way to, I can't remember what they, they had to do, but there was a reason that why they were driving somewhere. And I'm sure they were thrilled that they were able to, to have that visit, not need to carve out time from their respective schedules and um, be a bit more efficient. So that was an experience that I, I won't soon forget. And experiences within the hospital as well. Obviously, seeing patients in really dire circumstances and, and away from their families. Again, you know, the way technology helped us to allow for patients at least to have some connection to their loved ones using technology, using a video interactions with their family the kinds of virtual rounding things that we set up within the hospital to allow for teams to minimize their interaction with patients uh, in order to obviously decrease their risk of exposure themselves, but also when we were in dire straits with, with PPE to, to conserve the use of that. You know, all of that stuff that technology helped with was remarkable for me to see with both of my hats on. Obviously, we were, we were helping to enable it on the uh, IT side of things, but as a user as well, it was really satisfying for me to see the, the fruits of those efforts. Oh, yeah, certainly. We're all patients, too. So <laughs> most of us have, have seen it today. It really has been amazing. And I guess the big question is, what happens next? Now that we've seen such a shift in attitudes and what happens next as far as, you know, how, how digital will continue to uh, influence healthcare? Yeah, I, I think the yeah. most important thing for us, Kate, is that we don't lose momentum. Again, I don't think there's ever a going back to pre-pandemic states, but, but I would hate for us to uh, go back to, I would describe it as the plodding tempo that we had traditionally taken mm -hmm. some of these things on. Uh, as many of us all experienced, we did things in lightning speed during those early months. And that was because we were all singularly focused on what we needed to do to get through this. We put other things aside. Our decision-making was uh, expeditious. I'd love for us to take some of those experiences and some of those lessons learned to our post-pandemic world as well. Let's not take a year to decide that we're going to do something. Let's go ahead and do it. And we'll yeah. make mistakes along the way, and that's okay, just as we did during the pandemic. And we optimized and tweaked as we went. And I think those, that same approach um, can definitely be taken on in a post-pandemic world. So I do think that that momentum and that, that speed, that decision-making ability is what my hope is for the future and what I'd love to see us capitalize on. There's also quite a bit of technology uh, that was deployed during this period that I really do think will be beneficial for us in the long term. So thinking about all the ways in which we optimized and streamlined processes for patients, 
you know, uh, streamlining their visits if they're coming in for an ambulatory appointment, allowing them to not have to wait in a waiting room and being able to, to just send them a message saying, okay, we're ready for you. So they could, you know, spend time in the cafeteria or, or you know, in their cars or something. Let's let them do the digital check-in so that they don't have to interact with the person at the front desk. Let's ensure that all of the payment things that need to happen are ones that they can do on their mobile device. Let's eliminate those, those clipboards and the, and the providing of information at the time of visit. Let's do that all uh, digitally uh, in advance before the visit. Uh, over our portals or, or other mechanisms like that. I think all of those things that, again, were not new. We had all of these in place and we were piloting and, and doing them in, in smaller ways before. Let's use this opportunity to really catapult those things and make them the standard of care and have that be the way that it just happens now everywhere. I think we all would benefit. It'll make us more efficient on the provider side of things, on the healthcare side of things, but it's also what our patients want in the end. It makes life that much easier for them. And so I, I would really hope that we can use this time that we're in now to capitalize on these things that, that we put in place quickly and that will have the benefit for us in the long term. Yeah, and then as far as on the clinician side, we've all read the stories and seen that, you know, the really powerful stories about everything that frontline workers went through and are still going through in some cases. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, on that, that exhaustion, that burnout, and what can be done to address that going forward, because it's going to be an issue, as we know, long after COVID. Yeah, burnout is still a very real issue. COVID did nothing to help our cause there. Obviously, we had this, the strain of you know, the, the high volume of patients for a period of time, obviously uh, patients in really awful situations and the, the emotional stress that that put on our providers as well. So I do think we've got our hands full still to try and tackle this. We're very, very focused on the educational aspect of things with regard to our providers and our clinicians in general and how they interact with the EHR. I think the, the ARCH collaborative work has shown very clearly that education and ongoing support of our providers to help them understand how to best use the tools that we've got in place. That's one of the most important things that we can do to improve their satisfaction with the tools that we provide and also their, their efficiency and, and their ability to get their work done and not need to bring it home with them after their days are done. So again, because we're approaching that point in time in which the big go lives and rollouts are gonna be behind us, that's going to become one of our primary goals over the course of the next several years is to really focus on addressing the educational aspect of the tools and, and support for our clinicians. Because I do think that in many instances, we've actually got systems in place that can help them already, and they're just not aware of them, or they're just not been taught on how to use them optimally. So I do think that will help quite a bit. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.